Welcome to the Word of Faith Sermon Podcast with Pastor Hagen Lister. Join in with us today, ready to grow in your knowledge of the Bible with practical application for your everyday life. If you're interested in following or learning more, join us on our Facebook page at WOFTX or check out our website at WOFTX.com for location and service times. Now here's Pastor Hagen with today's message. That is available to us in the Bible. I want you to get this point. Everything good uh, that is available to us in the Bible is locked behind the door of love. And you say, how can you say that? Well, I can say that because the Bible says God is love. You're not going to get to anything good of God's unless you go through the door of love. And that's the God kind of love. And uh, I don't think I have to explain that to, er- to everybody here, what, uh, but we will define the God kind of love. Um, if you study the Bible long enough, you'll find out that every subject brings you right back to love. And there's been so many times that I have been studying a subject, and, and, and that's what's happened to me. I've studied it long enough, and I've followed this scripture, and I've followed that scripture, and going into it, and all comes back to love. And, and, and it's because that God is love. Um, perfect love is the very substance that God is made of. Love is God's, we can say it this way, love is God's DNA. The motive behind everything God has ever done or will ever do is love. Everything he's ever done, it's, 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 it's out of love. If we're going to please God, everything we do... Um, the motive behind the things we do has to be that same kind of love. If we're going to please God, everything we do, the motive behind the things that we do has to be that same kind of love. Let's go over to 1 John 4. 1 John 4, and we're going to, we're going to read verses 7 through 11. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might, have, we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I'm going to read that one more time. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. In this, the love of God was manifest towards us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I'm gonna make a few bold statements, but but God accepts no good deed, no sacrifice, 
our offering done outside of the motive of love. He won't even accept it. You know, a lot of times we'll accept things even though we know that they didn't really do it with the right heart, but you're just kind of glad to get what they're offering, right? We've done that from, probably all of us have done that from time to time. You know, you knew they were doing it with the wrong, anybody ever uh, taken something from somebody, you knew they were giving it to you with a string attached, but you took it anyway because you really wanted that? God doesn't do that. If you do anything in his name with any other motive other than love, it's not accepted. You might still do it, but he's not accepting it towards your account. You can build a million orphanages, feed a billion people, put clothes on the backs of thousands, or even offer your body to die in the place of another, and it wouldn't even be recognized by God if you did it for any other reason but love. You say, well, how, you know, if somebody's doing that, then you know, surely they would be doing it out of love. Not necessarily. Some people do all kinds of things for all kinds of different reasons. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. Of course, this is the great love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to read 1 through 3. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could even remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So right here in the word of God, Paul is saying, you can do all kinds of good stuff if you want. But if the motives in which you did those things were not out of a pure love, love for God and then love for your neighbor, then it actually, it accredits you nothing. You have come to nothing. Love is the only true prophet. It is an external prophet. Some may say it's not possible for people to do great things like this without love. But Jesus said it was possible. In 1 John 4, 8, it says, he that loves not does not know God for God is love. He who loves not does not know God, for God is love. And then he said in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. You remember this scripture? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Well, isn't that what we confess when we make Jesus Christ Lord of our life, when we get saved? So right here, Jesus himself says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Verse 22, it says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not prophesied in your name? I'm telling you, out of all the scriptures in the Bible, I think this one gets my attention the most when I start thinking about what I do for God and the motives in which I do them for. Because what did Jesus say? He said, it's not, about, not, it's, not all, it's not all just about saying, Lord, Lord. It's about saying, Lord, Lord, and then doing the will of God. Is that what, is that what your Bible says? 
Let's read it again. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? Verse 23 says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Another word for lawlessness is rebellion. You know, uh, we have a society that's probably been this way forever, but we live, in, we live in this generation. And I can tell you one thing in this generation, that rebellion and lawlessness is being extremely magnified, exalted, and glorified. Everything is about rebellion. Matter of fact, and I, I hate bringing up pop culture or anything, but there was a speech from Madonna, of all people, at the Grammys, where she stood up and publicly acknowledged and thanked all the rebels out there. That's what she said. Thank you to all the rebels out there. I know that there are many of you doing things for our cause, going against and being persecuted for it, and I want to publicly tell you that you are noticed and you are thanked. Who do you think was using her mouth that night? Because at the root, at the core of Satan is rebellion and lawlessness. At the, at the root, at the core of God is love, because he is love. And love is the opposite of rebellion. Rebellion is the opposite of love. What's the first thing that you are confronted with when you know you should walk in love in a certain situation? What's the first thing that you want to do instead of walk in love in certain situations? You want to rebel against that, and you want to go do what makes you feel good, right? It's because it's, it's, the, it's the natural sin nature that we're still having to, to deal with in our flesh, rebelling against what God wants to do with, by the love nature that's on the inside of us by the Holy Spirit. And that what the, Holy, that what the Word of God says, that the love of God has been shed abroad or poured out in our heart by the Holy Spirit. So the love of God is poured into us when we get saved by the Holy Spirit, and that's why on the inside of us we say, I know what I should do in this situation, but I don't want to. That but I don't want to is that old sin nature that, that still you have to deal with in your flesh and in your mind because our mind has to be renewed by the word of God. That's why it's important to know what God says about the love of God, renewing your mind with the word of God. And then our flesh has to be dealt with. Our flesh has to be told what you are going to do and what you're not going to do. Your flesh cannot be the one in the driver's seat. A lot of times your mind, unless it's parts of your mind that is renewed by the word of God, it can't be in the driver's seat. What has to be in the driver's seat is, is, a, is a born again spirit that is, uh, is out of the love of God. And then the, the, your man, your person is reading the word of God and renewing your mind. That's how you need to drive your life. But most of the time we drive our life by how we feel and how we think, right? Is this okay? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? 
cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. And then I was declared to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. There's people who make mistakes, and then there are those who practice. There's a, how many of you make mistakes? That's what the grace of God's for. Don't raise your hand if this is you. Who, practice, who, do you, who, do you, who have you practiced lawlessness? If you practice it, meaning it is a, it is a practice in my life. It, it's, it's my goal. It's my aim. I am a rebel. And I rebel against anything I don't want to do. Because I'm my own man. I'm my own person. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Right? Well, be careful that that attitude doesn't run into nobody, meaning not even God, not even the Holy Spirit, not even the love of God. Because if you practice lawlessness, you're a practicer of lawlessness, it doesn't matter what you actually do. Because there's a lot of people out there that on the surface, they, write, they can write down all their good deeds. And they can say, I did this, and I did that, and I did this. And the Bible declares, it doesn't matter what you did, if what you did wasn't an action of love out of the Holy Spirit on the inside, on the inside of you. And if what you did was in the practice of lawlessness uh, for whatever reason. Because these people here, were, a, they, were they were amazed. They were, they were, they were disheartened. They were, they were confused. You can tell. It says, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? And, and didn't we do that in your name? And he says, uh, yeah, but I don't know you. Because you might have did it in my name, but the motive in which you did it was not out of love. Is this okay? So I can, reading these scriptures, apparently God can see through our good actions and our good words, and he can see our motive. <laughs> you know, people are not very good at seeing motive. Sometimes you can. I believe sometimes you discern motives. But other times we're not very good at it. I remember one time I got in trouble because my mom couldn't see my motive. And um, my motive was good my thinking was wrong. Anybody's motive ever been good but you're thinking wrong? And uh, I remember, I may have told this story before, but there was a homeless man and he lived, there was, a, there was um, a, um, just right down the road from the Walmart there in, in big city of Magnolia, Arkansas, there was, they used to have uh, a bunch of dumpsters and, and, you know, everybody could come in and, and throw. Well, he tended to like to stay around those dumpsters probably because he, you know, got first dibs on stuff that got thrown away that he thought might be good or whatever. But the story was that, that he actually was a very smart man. And um, that he had been in college and all this stuff and, and just, I don't know if he just burned himself out or, or, or what he did. But anyway, he, he was really harmless. And, but he would be at the Walmart a lot because it wasn't too far away from where he camped. And uh, so he would just come in probably in the summertime, sit where he can feel the air conditioning and whatnot. So we were walking out and, and mom always had a big heart for, you know, for people and, and, and things like that. And so... Um, she said, this is where she messed up, she gave me a dollar, and she said, run over there and buy him a cold Coke or something. Or something. I said, yes, ma'am. So on my way to buying that Coke for him, I saw the claw machine. And the claw machine had stuffed animals in it. And in my heart, I thought, he can drink that Coke in 10 minutes, but he can have this stuffed animal forever. Well, I lost the dollar 
trying to get him a stuffed animal. When my mom saw that, she jumped all over me. You are so selfish. How could you do that? I gave you that to help that man, and you went and played a stupid game and all that stuff. And, of course, there was no way to defend it. I was just like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And so, you know, of course, we bought him a coat and got him a coat. But my motive was not to play the claw machine 100%. I wanted, you know, I had, I had good motive. But, you know, a lot of times we're not good at, at seeing motive, but God, that's all he sees. That, that's all he sees. I don't care. I don't think God cares if you part your hair on the right or the left. He knows every hair on your head, but I don't think he cares how you brush it. Because he's so concentrated, he's so fixated on the motive, on the heart. Right here in 1 Samuel 16, uh, 7, this is the New Living Translation, it says this, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance. Now this is when God was, was wanting Samuel to anoint the next king, the next king of Israel. Here's the here's here's thing about, about God. Do you know that God's original intention for his people were that they would not have a king, but they would just be ruled by God? David, as a king, was never really God's plan, but it's what the people wanted. But the people cried out for a king so much because they wanted a physical person they could see as their ruler that God was like, okay, but I'm going to find the right guy. I'm going to find the guy with the good heart. And while he was developing the right guy, the people just decided they were going to pick somebody regardless of what God was going to do. So they picked Saul. So in the process of time, Saul, of course, does, you know, all kinds of stuff and and uh, actually, he, he got himself in a bind because he disobeyed God. And, and Samuel comes up and he says, today, the kingdom of God has been rent from you. It's been ripped from you. And he went out in search to anoint the person that God said to anoint. And he says, go to Jesse's house and call his sons in. Well, <laughs> Jesse called all the sons in except for the one that was the one. Because he didn't look like the one. Because they were looking on the outside, they were looking at the muscles, they were looking at the stature, they were looking at, does this person remind you, when you look at this person, does he look like a person that would be a king of the nation of God's people? And David did not, apparently. He was young, the Bible said he was ruddy, he was out there tending the sheep, and this is what God is telling Samuel, he says, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height. For I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. If, you know, the Bible says judge yourself lest you be judged. If you want to judge yourself, the most effective way to judge yourself is not by what you're doing, but why you're doing it. Can I say that again? If you want to effectively judge yourself, stop judging yourself by what you're doing and start judging yourself by why you're doing what you're doing. That's the most effective way. Because if you can go to sleep at night knowing that the things that I did today, the things that I did yesterday, the things that I did last year, the things that I'm thinking about doing tomorrow 
are all coming from a heart that wants to please God and wants to endeavor to do the will of God. Then we can go back to our other scripture and we can say, because we are doing it that way, then we're not practicing lawlessness, but we're actively pursuing doing the will of God, which by the other scripture would would tell us that we would not be in the same category of the people who were standing there shocked and stunned in that day that says, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things in your name? And Jesus says, yeah, but I didn't know you because you've been practicing lawlessness. We wouldn't be in that group. Because the whole time we've been here, we've been judging our heart. We've been looking at our heart and saying, you know, I could say this right now, but that would be walking out of love. Even if they didn't pick up on it, I know in my heart, if I said that, it would be taking a shot at them. You know, I could work this deal this way, but in the long run, it would take advantage of them. And even if they never caught on to it, I would know in my heart that I took advantage of them. You know, I could hold this over my kid's head to maintain control over them. I could hold this over my husband's head, my wife's head. I could hold this over this person, that person. I could do my employees this way. I could do my boss this way. I could take advantage of this way or that way. But you know what? In my heart, I would know I was doing it for the wrong reasons. Or I could say, God, I want to make the right decision right here. I want to to make the right comment right here. I practice this a lot. I got a text yesterday from somebody who I really want to tell them what I think about them. You know what I do before I send that text back? I call my wife. She says, what's wrong? I was like, I just got this text and I'm calling you so I don't text back what I want to text back. Talk me off the ledge. Why? Because ultimately, and I'd say, I want to say this, but I'm not going to. I want to walk in love. I want to walk in love. And it doesn't mean, walking in love doesn't mean that you don't tell the truth. Walking in love doesn't mean that you can't speak directly. But it also means that you have chosen your words so carefully that when you do say what you feel like you need to say, that your conscience is clean, That you walk away knowing I may have had to speak firm, but I did not do it to intentionally hurt or spear someone. I did it to maybe set a boundary. I did it maybe to speak the truth. But even in speaking the truth, the Bible says we speak the truth in love. (laughs) So every motive that we have, I'm telling you, if you study out any subject in the Bible, you are going to come back to love. What we do, our actions should flow out of our relationship we have with Jesus. What we do, everything we do, our actions should flow out of our relationship with Jesus. Our actions should never come out of a desire to prove we're good people or to prove our relationship with Jesus. Love is who we are. It's what's in us. Not what we have the ability to prop up in front of the masses. Let me say that again. Love is who we are. It's what's in us. It's not what we have the ability to prop up in front of the masses. I think one of the most, and I don't know all of their, their beliefs, so I can't speak on 
all of their beliefs, but I think one of the greatest demonstrations of the love of God working in a people that I've ever seen on a, on a, on a big scale was, you remember, you know, it's been, shoot, it, 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 it's maybe been 15, 20 years ago, but do you remember when uh, the gunman came into the Amish community and killed their kids? You remember that? And when they interviewed the people, they said, we're not mad, we love them, and we're praying for them. And I thought, man, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I'm that strong. And to me, it was a demonstration where they're not trying to prop up, they're not trying to show the world, look how much we love Jesus. You could tell that they just loved Jesus that much to know that this is a terrible thing and it's gonna take us a long time to heal from it. But we're not gonna remain bitter and we're not gonna remain mad. We are going to automatically forgive them and pray for their families. Um, Romans 5, 5 and verse 8. It says, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And verse 8 says, God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love these two, two passages. And uh, I actually quote Romans 5, 5 over myself a lot um, because I, I need to remind myself that love is not something that I have to gather up from out here somewhere. It's not something that I have to try to do. Uh, I have to remind myself that the love of God has been shed abroad. It has been poured out in me. It's in me by the Holy Spirit. And if it's in me, then I have access to it, right? I have access to it. And so it says the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And then verse 8, God demonstrated this love. So the love that was poured out in you, the reason why I'm pairing this other verse in there is because if, you, if you're confused at what type of love is in you, because and I, don't, I don't have time to go into this big, long study, but one of the, um, the most watered-down words in the English language is love. It's so watered down because actually if you go, which the New Testament was translated from the Greek, if you go into the Greek language, I believe they have nine different words, totally different words, that we translate every time love. Love, love. So they got all, and I'm not going to go into all of them, but they have uh, a, a brotherly love. They have the love between a husband and a wife. They have, um, you know, um, all these different types of love. And then there's agape love, which is the God kind of love. So right here it says, the love of God has been poured out in your heart by the Holy Spirit, which was given to us. And then in verse 8, it gives you a, an example of what the kind of love that was poured out in you has the ability to do. What type of love was actually poured in you? It wasn't the type of love where we say, I love pizza. It wasn't the type of love even that says, you know, uh, uh, I love fishing or I love this or I love that. That's not the type of love that was poured out in you by the Holy Spirit. The type of love that was poured out in you by the Holy Spirit was the God kind of love. And in verse 8, it says, God demonstrated his love. If you're confused at what type of love is on the inside of you that you have access to, verse 8 says, this is the kind of love that's in you. It was demonstrated. 
in that while we were still sinners, this is the type of love that has been poured on the inside of you now that you are a Christian. If you're a son or daughter of God, this type of love is in you. The same love that caused God to send his son to die for people that were still sinners. Meaning, didn't deserve it. Let's read it again. God demonstrated his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated that type of love. Well, if that type of love is on the inside of us, a lot of people would like to say, well, that's God, that's Jesus, and they have this ability to do that, and I just don't have that ability. I'm weak, and I'm a, I'm a human. Yes, we understand that you're weak. We understand that you're human. I'm weak. I'm a human. I have flesh, and I have a mind. But also, I can't let that continually be an excuse for me to walk out of love and not access the type of love that God poured on the inside of me. What I have to start saying is, my mind needs to be renewed to what the Word of God says. And then by the power of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of me, that's carrying that love of God, I need to overpower with that, allow that to overpower my mind that's been renewed with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, overpower what my body wants to do and what my mouth wants to say and say, we're not doing that. We're going to line up to the Word of God and we're going to line up to the love of God that's on the inside of us. Amen? When we say we can't love like God loves, what we're, really, what we're really saying is, I don't want to obey the Word of God. Ouch. Because God says you can, and He actually commands you to. Come on. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, what is a commandment? Is it a suggestion? Okay, let's, let, let's, let's, let's help you understand this a little bit. When you command your children to do something, do you expect them to treat it as a suggestion? No. A commandment is instructions with consequences if not followed. Am I wrong? A commandment, if, you, if I command my children to do something, and they disobey that, there should be repercussions. Amen? So when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Of course, in that moment, they were trying to trick him. But he, he, he pulled a fast one on them. He said, well, he said, it's to love God with everything. Love the Lord your God with everything. And the second one is just like it, and it's to love your neighbor as yourself. And then Paul digs deeper into that in 1 Corinthians 13 and really defines what walking in love is about. Now, we can make mistakes, as we all do in this. I've done it. But what we can't do is we can't ignore the love of God on the inside of us. And we can't ignore what the Word of God is commanding us to do just because it's hard to do. Amen? How many of you have found out walking in love is hard? It's hard. Not only has the love of God been poured out into us by the new birth, salvation, God himself demonstrates this love towards us first by loving 
us unconditionally, even when we were unlovable. The same love that laid down its life for you lives in you. The same love nature, uh, that perfect motive lives in you and has to be accessed in everything that you do. Every word you speak, every dollar you give, every prayer you pray, and every deed you do. John 13, 34 through 35. Of course, I've already quoted this, but we'll read it. The new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I was watching a video, and it was a young man, and uh, somebody was interviewing him, and he, uh, I guess he was going around trying to find people that, that uh, quote unquote, used to be Christians. And so he found this young guy, and I think he might have been like 26, 25, 26. Um, and uh, just a very sincere-hearted young man. Uh, and he said, well, why, why are you saying you used to be a part of the church? You used to serve God. He goes, because I did. He said, I grew up in church. He said, I love church. He said, I, you know, I helped out. In the, I was a part of the youth and the kids. And he said, I even, when I got older, <clears throat> he said, I helped out with uh, vacation Bible schools. He said, I helped out with camps. And, you know, I did all these things. And he, and he said, I was serving at the church, and he goes, well, what, what, was the, what was the straw that broke the camel's back? What was the day that you said, I'm not doing this anymore? And he said, well, he said, I just got to a point where I looked around, and the people that I served God with, um, the older saints, the people that I served God with, I just didn't see the fruit in their life that the Bible says we should have. He said, I didn't see them walking in love towards each other. He said, I didn't see them forgiving each other. He said, I heard them cutting, their, cutting them, themselves down, talking behind each other's backs, getting into fights over things that didn't matter. And he said, I just, I just couldn't take it anymore. He said, so I just decided to come out. Now, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, that um, you know, that is one of the tactics of the enemy right now for this generation, that he wants them to pick apart the church to make it so imperfect that why should they even be a part of it? And that was a, a lot of the motive behind my message Sunday was the fact that even if the church is imperfect, it is not to be abandoned, but we have to band together and walk in love together so that we can correct a lot of that that's going on. It's never going to be perfect until, until we meet Jesus because we're all imperfect, but I believe that there, there should be and could be and uh, we, we should endeavor to always be extending the, um, the uh, raising the, the, I guess, the excellence level and the way we interact with each other, the way we love each other, the way we bring unity into this house. And, and of course, you know, I'm, I'm always amazed at the love of God that is, that is here. So by no means do I, am I preaching this because I feel like we, we have uh, just terrible issues going on, but... I also believe that if this stuff goes unchecked, that the enemy can bring division into our house or the enemy can uh, come in and begin to pick us apart and begin to uh, sow seeds of discord. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about that the next time uh, that I get to teach on a Wednesday night. Uh, but uh, for, for right now, I want us to focus in on ourselves and I want us to see how, how can I uh, level up on the way that I walk in love, you know? What is that thing? There's, there's always something in me that the Holy Spirit 
is asking me to change about my love walk. There's always something. Sometimes it's big stuff. Sometimes it's like I'm dealing with something that is just maybe kind of rock my world. But other times it's just little tweaks. Sometimes it's just, hey, stop saying that that way to your kids. Hey, you know what? Um, you know that you're not putting out the right effort in this situation right here. Why don't you bump that up a little bit, right? And you say, all that's walking in love towards God? Absolutely. Because if the Holy Spirit is leading you and guiding you to change something in your life and you're unwilling to do that, that's you saying no. You can fix it up and pretty it up all you want. You can make all the excuses you want, but if the Holy Spirit is leading you and guiding you to tweak something in your life, to change something in your life, to get rid of something in your life, and you are making excuse after excuse or ignoring, 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 that is you saying no. And when we say no to something that the Holy Spirit's leading us and guiding us to do, and there's word to back it up, guess what? We are not walking in love towards God. We're not loving God with everything. We're holding something back. To love God with everything is to say that there is nothing off limits in my life to you, God. If you want it, you got it. Amen? I know there's been several times where I've been in prayer. And I've prayed this prayer. And when it came out of my mouth, I just knew. I was like, oh, why did I say that? And I would pray and I'd say, God. And it was, it was something out of a pure heart that said it. But then my mind kicked in and it's like, oh, boy, you're in for it now. I would pray and I'd say, God, nothing's off limits to you. If you want it, you got I would say that and I'd go, oh. But guess what? Anytime God ever asks for something, it's not to take anything from you. If he asks for an attitude, if he asks for this, if he asks for that, it, it, it's, it's got nothing to do with taking something from you. It's got something to do with getting something to you. It's got something to do with opening up something to you. It's got something to do with, you know, God will, God will take something off your plate that is causing you stress and anxiety if you'll let him. But sometimes we can't imagine our life without A, B, or C, even though we know it's not good for us. Is that okay? Is that good? So I've got a little um, love confession that I wrote, and we're just going to, if you want to, you don't have to. Just confess it after me. And then when we get done, I'll, I'll, we'll do some prayer requests because that's walking in love. To, uh, that's loving people as ourself, our neighbor as ourself. Amen. So let's pray. Just repeat this after me. Say, God is love. God loves me. Love loves me. He loved me before I loved him. So now, I love him, and he loves me. His love lives in me, because his Holy Spirit lives in me. I have the ability to access his perfect love in every situation with all people. I choose to walk in love, because love is the greatest God's love is working in me and through me. It's supernatural love, and it can bear all things. I'm a child of God, and my motives are his motives, and his motives are love. 
So therefore, I love. Let's do that again. That's, that, that felt so good. Say, God is love. So God loves me. Love loves me. He loved me before I loved him. Now I love him. And he loves me. His love lives in me because his Holy Spirit lives in me. I have the ability to access his perfect love. In all situations, with all people, I choose to walk in love. Because love is the greatest. God's love is working in me and through me. It's supernatural love. And it can bear all things. I'm a child of God. And my motives are his motives. And his motives are love. So I choose to love. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You got to talk to yourself in, in the word of God. You got to let your mind and your ears hear your, hear your mouth say what the word of God says about you. Amen. I want to thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you would like to help us increase our outreach, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so that we can bring the word of God to friends and family near you. Don't forget you can check out our location, other podcasts and service times, on our website at woftx.com. If you're in the East Texas area, we'd love for you to stop by and join in for one of our services. We're glad you chose our podcast. Be blessed. We'll see you next time.